0: Hello, everybody, it's me, Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And I'm joined by three fine gentlemen to talk about, well, it's got worse, guys. It's got worse. I didn't think it could get worse, but it did. A 3 0 defeat against Northampton. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into many other things that's happened this week. Paul Cook turning into Demolition Man. Have you guys watched that film? Let me know. Um, but yes, we've had four servings. This is the fourth serving of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Um, much great content for you to listen to. And this is your final one. So you've had the, the starter. You've had the main. You had the dessert. This is the cheeky midnight snack for you to listen to. Um, but let's get into the fine gentlemen that are joining me this week. We've got Ben, John and Bloomers. Firstly, I'm going to go over to good old Ben, who's, I think, had a fresh trim today, <laughs> I think. Yes, he has. It's true. Um, it's true. Yeah. How are you, my friend? How are you doing?
1: Yeah, much better for having my first haircut. Fantastic. Feel uh, refreshed and ready to go for this evening. Um, Obviously, thank you, Ross, and good to speak to John and Bloomers as well. Um, It's been another week to forget as an Ipswich Town fan, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. apart from, um, uh, you know, quick quick, uh, plug to the main KOA podcast, a fantastic interview with one of our new owners, um, which is listened to very quickly before recording tonight. Really interesting. Um, Just sort of an interview, well, an intro to myself, really, as um, we were saying we're going to give one... um, sort of introducing each other this evening. I have been an Ipswich fan all my life. Um as my dad says it was a form of child abuse abuse growing up. Not had too many fond memories, um, born in 1985. Um but did see the Premier League years and uh, a few Premier League years and the UEFA Cup run. Um but yeah there there's um family of four, three boys, all support town, live in the Cambridge area. Um, wouldn't support anybody else. It is um, sort of like your bleed blue kind of kind of thing. Um, my dad grew up close to Ipswich than we did, but um, obviously he saw much better times. Like many of our uh, many of the people that came b- before us, but uh, you know, looking forward to better times ahead under the new ownership. I'm always positive. Um, I enjoy my time going to Portman Road as much as I can. Away games as well. Um, I've got some fantastic memories of going to away games and not so many um, fantastic times going to away games, which I think we'll touch on later. Um, But yeah, that's sort of a a little sort of brief into my, you know, following Ipswich. I remember my first game in the Cobalt stand, falling asleep against Notts County 0-0 in 1990. Um, And I will pass over to to Bloomers. I think he's going to give you a bit of an introduction to uh, him as an ITSC fan.
2: Yeah, just in case you were thinking of turning off right now, because you think Ben's being super indulgent, he's not. We, uh, we did discuss beforehand, we decided that actually we realised we don't really give much of an intro on these uh, podcasts, so we thought we'd give you a tiny little bit of background about, well, our backgrounds, just so you, we don't think we're some kind of disembodied voice talking about Ipswich for no reason. We do have them, I promise, and they're all quite different, so they're quite nice. Uh, evening, Ross, how are you? Very well, and um, I was going to say, we're all in
0: you know, four different locations. I'm in Kesgrave and Suffolk, Ben, you're in Cambridgeshire, or just outside of Cambridgeshire. I'll
1: Cam- yeah,
0: right. Cambridgeshire,
2: just outside Cambridge, yeah okay. uh, Bloomers, of course, are in South London? South London, yeah hey. right, between, right in between Brixton and Clapham um, Technically, this flat is Clapham But you could argue the toss between the two oh, Not for much longer uh, In a few weeks' time, I'll be moving to lovely, leafy Balham, Which is even further South London Getting towards Crystal Palace territory, that is
0: Ooh, hello. Um, and then John, of course. Anyone knows good old John, the man <laughs> from the north. Good old Donnie. Um, the king of the of north. He, king of the north, oh. basically. Um, but um, before we go over to you, John, um, Bloomers, uh, take it away. Um, that's a good idea, I think, for, for the listeners out there and you know future people who come on the show to get to know us a bit more. Because, yeah, I feel like I just go into and spat random things in the intros. But I think it's nice so you guys know who we are. Uh so
2: bloomers, take it away. Why are you a town fan? You are just crazy? Yeah. And if you uh if you think we're doing this because we're padding out because the football on the pitch isn't that good, you might be right. You might be right. Um Bad. yeah just a little bit. I'm uh yeah so died in the wall town fan. Uh originally from Bury St. Edmunds in Suffolk grew up there. Uh all my childhood um old man took himself and his uncle, I think, to his first town game when he was I think, nine in 1970. Uh, No one in our family actually sports football team uh, like my dad does. So when I came along, I didn't really have anyone else to steer me otherwise. Went to my first town game when I was four. And uh, that was it. I I honestly can't remember a time where I haven't sported Ipswich. Being born in 94, which makes me... Are you younger or older than me, Ross? I'm going to go younger. I'm younger, yeah. 96. Okay, so just slightly oh, older than Ross. So yeah, <laughs> <God. laughs> and, and with his fine facial hair, he looks so much more mature than I do. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I unfortunately missed all of the uh, glory years. And my first season that I remember, the first season I had a season ticket was 2000-2001. Unfortunately, being that young, I don't remember loads of it. I remember getting relegated and thinking it's okay. Well, I'm sure we'll have good times ever since. And the arse fell out of the football club. <laughs> so, um, you know, unfortunately, that's that's the way it goes. But I think we're going to get on some away games uh, in, later on in the pod, talking about some of our experiences. So some good stories to tell there. But, yeah, I was lucky enough to find at school some other idiot town fans. And over the last few years, we've had some great, great trips home and away. And uh, even though I'm in South London now, easy enough to get to games. So... You know, still go quite quite often, and always look for the away ones because I think I'm up to about seventy odd away grounds now, so we're getting there. I'm not no, by no means one of these ninety-two aficionados, but you never know. Might might come if we start bounce up at leagues again uh, and get some nice cup ties. But first, of all, we'll have to bounce up the leagues, and second of all, we'll have to win some cup ties. So, <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Who's got a much more interesting story than I have about supporting town?
0: And yes, uh, John is the final man. And it's been a year, I think, John, since we had our conversation for my ITFC, the feature that I talked to town fans about <laughs> their their story of them becoming a supporter and the many from how they became a fan, their first town game, and all that sort of questions. So it's been a year since then. So if you haven't watched that, go back to watch that. But John, for the pod, you know, originally from Sunderland, um, yep. the accent, of course, is <laughs> very obvious. But um, I, know, I know a lot of people love hearing your beautiful accent and um, also wondering why you're a town fan.
3: Well, good to see you as always, Ross. Good to see you, Blue, and Ben. Love it to be involved. Um, I I think what's great about this pod for me is it's given me a forum to speak to town fans because I come from Sunderland and I knew one town fan uh, when I was growing up. Um, He was in my class at school. I only knew him a little while. My love for Ipswich came from my, my uh, year, third year junior teacher asked me to do a, a project at school. We got drawn out a hat, and we all had to write to a football club, and I got to Ipswich Town. And I wrote to them, and they sent me loads of free merchandise. And I'm a sucker for uh, merchandise. They ha- happened to be playing um, on telly that weekend. Got beaten by Norwich. I won't mention that too much. Um, butcher was captain. Um, I went home to my dad and said, I support Ipswich. He said, you bloody don't. And I said, okay, that's my mind made up then. And my dad's a whole city fan and I grew up in Sunderland. So I think if he had been a Sunderland fan, I wouldn't have had a decision. But because he wasn't a Sunderland fan, I didn't have that affinity like all my mates did. So yeah, I've been a town fan since I was nine. So I'm the oldest in this group tonight by a long way. Dead to Ross because I'm over 30. By about 16 years now. So, yeah, I've been supporting them since about 84, 85. And my first game was at St. James's Park. My first game at Portman Road was against um, Derby County. We got beaten 2-0, I remember that. I think it took me 13 games away and two at home before I saw a town win. So I blame myself for the town's downfall since I started supporting them, really. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, head teacher of a primary school, living... um Sonny Donny, where my wife's from, twin twin girls, um, trying to get them to watch a bit of football. Not that interested, to be fair. Um, I, and who could blame them when I try to make them watch iFollow at the moment? Um, but yeah, I, I love talking about town because uh, I've been a passionate town supporter as long as I can really remember now. And um, you go back to the days of, you know, little pictures of me with my blue Ipswich Teddy and my Ipswich kit, Um and birthday presents and Christmas presents wanting it to it's down gear, and you know now I buy it for myself rather than asking for other people.
0: Brilliant, and um, I know a lot of you guys are very much uh, shirt collectors. Um, or well, that's more Matt and Segs who are who of course are regular game day regulars on here as well. Um, but um, let's get into unfortunately the negative side of supporting town is uh, this season, the last two seasons in League One. Um. As I said at the start of the pod, I didn't think it could get worse but it did. Um, a 3-0 defeat at Northampton on Tuesday night. Uh, there are some fans that went, I think there were six fans in total who were on top of the hill. I'd rather have gone to the fun fair than watch watched the 90 minutes of football against Northampton. Um, Northampton, who are the lowest scoring side in League One, I think they scored 35 goals prior to the game. Um, they scored three goals. A right-back scored twice. Um, you know, a lot of people have spoken about the game and discussed it already but I think that's our time to shine, to talk about the positives and negatives and everything in between. Um, I want to go over to you, Ben, first. Your, your verdict on the game, uh, 3-0, uh, no goals in nine hours now and, and counting. Um, just, it's, just, it's just getting worse, isn't it?
1: It's definitely getting worse. You said, let's talk about the positives and the negatives. So let's start with the positives. There's only four games left um, k v y was in a position to score um, i that, that you 've got there yeah, that's about it um positive wise and I, that wasn't i didn't, I didn't think about I, yeah i didn't think about that it was going to be my answer that's all i could think of uh it's just miserable isn't it i there is we're in this flux you know this sort of uh, I feel like we're uh, sort of a hamster in a wheel, just constantly going round and round and round until the end of the season when someone will let us out because nothing is changing. Um, that's sort of the best best analysis I can give you. It's probably not good for match of the day, but maybe good enough for this podcast. Um, yeah, it's miserable. You know, it truly is miserable. It's dire. Um, I imagine the people, you know, well, the the I follow followers have, have, have absolutely diminished over the last mm. few weeks because there's nothing, you know, entertainment wise to watch. I know there was a huge amount of, um, not well, for Ipswich fans on Twitter, a bit of controversy about the way that Cook is reacting to these defeats with the fist pumps to the opposition players. It, again, it's a larger subject, but, they, they, you know, we've had enough. Of this in terms of knowing what the actual issue is in terms of the Northampton game it's a it's another game that just epitomizes everything that's wrong with with not the football club because we've got that sorted hopefully and now we do owners but the team the squad what's wrong with the squad is that they either couldn't give a flying flute or they're simply not good enough um and for a long, long time, we thought they were good enough. I I, i am really, really guilty of thinking that they were a lot better than they actually are, these players. Um, I could go through virtually the whole squad and tell you what their best attributes are and thought they would be much, 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 much better this year than they were and last year, but this year, I thought they'd be more acclimatised to the league. You know, we, we give you know, the previous management a chance, then you get the new management thinking, well, this is going to give us a bolt up the league, no doubt about it. These players have got talent we unfortunately we've just come up short i mean not short. we've not even got on the first rung of the ladder you know in terms of being able to show something for the fans to get encouraged about it it's incredibly disappointing ross it it it, it doesn't need us to talk about northampton and pick the game apart because it's the same game we've watched over mm. and over again for the last six seven eight nine weeks um it was similar to the wimbledon game you know misplaced passes bunch of strangers they 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 probably this may be harsh, um, but they probably don't care. It it gives me the opinion that it makes me think they don't care. And yeah, I get it. If you know you're definitely leaving, if you know you're definitely leaving a job, you're basically seeing out the end of your contract. You're on, um, you know, your last knockings when you're giving your notice. Like like I get it. I don't think you should behave that way as a professional athlete. But and and then there may be people thinking there's no way that's the case. But I, I just think they don't care. Who knows what happened in the last four games, but do, do we really care as fans now? We, you know, we, well, of course we do, but we are all waiting for August next year. That is what we are all this time. Now we, we could see, you know, see the summer out, enjoy our holidays, whatever capacity we can have that in. And uh, yeah, roll on August. Sorry to badger on.
2: The, uh, the, only, the only thing I disagree with that analogy, when you say about downing tools or whatever, the difference is if you're downing tools, cause you know, you're off, like, you that's under the assumption that you found another job, you, you've signed up, you, you know you're going to be moving. In. These players haven't got a guaranteed club to go to. Well, I mean, I don't think they do. I have a guaranteed club to go to next season. So that's what I don't get whatsoever in terms of if, you, if you're going to down tools. But I'll, I will uh, go further on that when it's my turn to speak. Is it my turn oh, to speak? Go for it, <laughs>
0: Yeah, go. Um, I was gonna just chat and have a question onto you because I want to, you know, as you said, we're not really gonna pick out the Northampton game because it's we're gonna just repeat ourselves. We are broken records now, but you know, you know, Paul Cook had his press conference, you know, on Friday last week. You know, the demolition man blew up. You know, social media was talking about that massively, and I know, Bloomers, you you mentioned this this squad. You haven't, you know, hate is a. It's a big word, but, you, you know, probably this is the, one of the squads that you've disliked the most because they're just not that not as good as we we're hoping they're going to be. Um, but, you know, we drew nil-nil we drew against Charlton. Then Charlton went on to win 6-0 on Tuesday night against Plymouth, which, what's going on? Did, did we just play OK and did we just defensively did OK against Charlton? Maybe because they didn't have their, their key players. I think two of their key players are injured. But um, overall, that wasn't a bad result. On uh, you know everything, but um, you know what was your thoughts on Paul Cook's press conference um, comments? And you know, re- you know, g- carry on what you're talking about with Ben.
2: Uh, well, I mean, you say hates a strong word. Uh, looking at my <laughs> bank balance after the last month and knowing that we haven't scored and the amount that I pay to watch every game, um, hates not that strong a word when you look at it mate, <laughs> in that respect. Um, oh, I, I love this. Now I'm going to have a conversation with the with the, with the three of you. Um, and please just take the other side of what I'm saying, even if you don't believe it. People are saying it's controversial what Cook did after the game. Can any of you explain what, in theory, could be controversial about what in theory could be controversial about what he did? Just play devil's advocate with me here. I, I, I
1: as Ross knows, and again, we would, I wouldn't introduce myself saying this, but I run a local football team, and I would. He's probably sick to death, actually, with, with the players. And it's different running a local football team to run a professional outfit. But you, he talks in the press about not throwing his players under the bus. But yet his actions are speaking louder than the words that he's saying. I don't have a problem with it. I, I agree with what he's doing. But his actions are throwing the, the players under the bus completely. He won't even shake their hand, which is the equivalent of fist bump these days, when they come off the pitch. I mean, I, you know, he's given respect to the Northampton players for playing us off the park. But that's not particularly difficult these days. Um, I, yeah, I don't disagree with what he's doing, but I can understand why some fans would have a problem with it. I, I don't. I, I think he's absolutely right. It's been for too long, these players have had a free rise. It's about time they had an absolute. Well, I mean, look,
2: off their at the end of the day, um, they're adults that are earning, that are playing, uh, being professionals and earning professional wages. Uh, if they can't handle a manager not fist bumping them when they're walking off the pitch, then sod off. Um, and also respect this is going into management cliches, but respect is a two way thing isn't it you 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 give it and you earn it um I'm pretty sure the Northampton and uh and players before them earned Paul cook's respect with the way they played against us, and they, it wasn't given to him by our players because of the level of performance they put in, and not because they're not good enough because they are, but they don't want to extract that level of performance from themselves so you know it is, what it is and i mean i'm quite ranty in the way i look at things i'm quite a heart on the sleeve fan and i'm probably one of the more animated people when when we have these discussions but i'm quite comfortable in saying i very rarely tweet or say something that i wouldn't happily say to uh, a a player or a manager and that's been some pretty dicey stuff in the past but it's it's what i feel and and i'm happy to say it and at the end of the day I can't see what leg that the players have to stand on in the abuse that they'd be getting right now from certain sections of people because people are not being able to watch them in the flesh and are paying exorbitant amounts of money to sit there on a t- uh, and watch on a TV screen. And if you've watched the last eight hours of football or paid to watch the last eight hours of football from Ipswich Town, you haven't seen a goal from from us. Well, you know, we're not... Wanting to win eight 0 every week and expect to be in a position that Man City are and whatever, but especially that's that's quite apt, isn't it, with everything that's been going on this week and last week. But it's we're not going to sit there and accept that. And you knew that that was the case going into the back end of last season because the mood started to turn a little bit sour just before the pandemic hit, especially the uh, the Coventry game, uh, which I attended and thoroughly hated apart from everything else uh, apart from the game. But, yeah, I'm not going to talk any more about the Northampton game. There's nothing to talk about it. And I, I said Paul Cook was talking a load of nonsense in his post-match interview. I think he was, but maybe he was just as shell-shocked as we were because how often, how many more... I mean, he's come out to, to do the interviews, but what what more can he say that we haven't heard already? And he's, now I can see it in the cold light of day. He can't come out every time and say, oh, we we're rubbish, we we're rubbish, we we're rubbish, because... Like, we don't want to hear it. We also don't want to hear they were great, they were great, they were great. We just want action. And do you know what? You say action speak louder than words, Ben. Well, yeah, they do. Good. Because no one in the squad deserves a place next season. Aside from maybe a couple you could give a couple of reasons why. Other than that, forget it. Forget it. So, yeah, let, I'll hand over to John. Um also, actually, one thing I would mention about the game is Thomas Holy. John, if you want to jump in and say something about him. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing to speak about the game because it was a carbon copy of the women's game, except we had 11 players rather than 10.
3: Yeah. I would say, from my point of view, we actually started better than we had in some other games. And and on another day, if we had scored earlier on, it would have just pre- uh, probably prolonged our agony, I suppose, Um But what disappoints me is, and I've said this a few times, I expected the players who are professionals, like you rightly said, to show more for Paul Cook since he's come in. And I think the biggest disappointment for me is, I can understand us not being very good and not performing to the levels that we've all wanted, but where has the character been? Where is the, 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 the owning the shirt, the pride, the passion? You know, you can forgive ability, we can't forgive lack of effort, and we just don't look like being a team at all. Every team we play, I tweeted out the other day. Every team we play, we make them look miles better than they are. You know, we were playing Northampton. Ross, right? You said about how many few goals they've scored, and yet they, they put three past us. You know, we handed them. I mean, carbon copies the first two, but what was the third goal about? I mean, we don't need to pick the the game that much, but that third goal and that little passage of play um when I think it was McGuinness couldn't pass the ball to Diselle five yards away. You know, yeah. you look at that. And even somebody as good as Downs, who I still think Downs is a really good player, and he would be somebody I would keep. Um absolutely. Um he looked like he was trying, but it just wasn't going for him. And nothing's going for us. So we need to get that to the end of the season and just finish it because, you know, if we're we're in the Grand National, we would have been shot and put out of our misery. Um, (laughs) We would have fought, uh, you know, we we would have been, oh, it's just dreadful. Um, And it's just so depressing. And the only players who I would think you would keep from that current team, Downs and a fit KVY, and obviously fitness is still an issue, but, you know, we missed the sitter, yeah. But a right back he got in that position, you know. He offers something different. Holy, I would like to see Cornell be given a couple of games now so he can, so Cook can actually judge him in competitive football. Yeah, the pressure's off now because when you know the season's dead, but you know, there's not many players in our team or squad with a contract or without a contract or who are on loan who are giving any uh, showing of themselves. The only caveat, um. I can think of, and I, I am stealing this from a little bit. From I listened to uh, um, make a footy show early on this afternoon before I listened to the, the wonderful uh, interview with um, Burke, um, with Stu and Andy, which was fantastic. Um, and that gave me hope, but uh, I think uh, David Diamond was on and he made a good point about um. Maybe the players are worried about getting injuries or the, the kind of playing within themselves because they know they're not going to be here. I hadn't thought about, actually, if you really put yourself... I would like to think, if I was in that position, I'd be giving my all for everybody, for myself, for my family, for the club. I just don't feel enough people are giving enough of themselves. And I think Cook must be disappointed. Like, he's taken some of the blame and criticism. And I think that's right, he does, because... Let 's be honest, we all expected our team to get a bit better rather than get worse. however, it's the players who are ultimately responsible. He has to take a bit of responsibility, but you know, I worked out the other night it was the forty second um, game in the season in the league, so there's four hundred and twenty quid on a player. I was looking for someone on my credit card bill earlier on tonight, and I saw I played. Ten quid the Spurs and five quid the South End or whoever it was in the summer was it South End somebody like that for the pre-season and all the Papa John's Trophy games and all I think how much money have I spent on this season and how much have I got back in in terms of entertainment games I've actually enjoyed um, the product on show I mean the last few months have been dire haven't they? I I almost feel, I said to Ross a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was just last Saturday, it all merges to one, doesn't it? I said something along the lines of, I I couldn't understand why people aren't in pain to watch it on Eiffel anymore. My only worry is the one game, having suffered 42, is the one game I don't watch. We might actually score a goal or perform well. It's almost like you've got to go through the pain for the last four games, just to see if... it has to get better. I keep thinking, shoot, it can't get any worse. But here we are again, a new low. I thought the nil-nil at home to Northampton was bad enough. And now we're just going to punt three-nil at their place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just want to ask you two a question. Um, and you kind of touched on it, which is, which is what I'm going to bring up. And this is a two-parter. So first part is, we obviously talk about the players' downing tools and their coaching towards the end of the season. How much blame, if any do you want to give or should Paul Cook get for coming in, not being able to motivate these players when there's a playoff place or there was a playoff place on the line? And secondly, is there any conceivable way in your mind, if, let's say, this run of form continues all the way through to end the season, that come the first game next season, there's someone else in the dugout because the owners have decided he's not the man to take us forward? Either of you in any order?
1: Um... I yeah there's a tiny bit in the back of my mind that thinks maybe Cook wouldn't be here, but like more more like less than five percent. I think the way the owners are talking, you know Paul Cook was their man as much as there were evan's he was Evans's man, so and and I still think it maybe not knowing what I know now, but it, certainly at the time Paul Cook was my ideal candidate. Um, I, I think he plays attacking football. He's had got a tremendous track record, and I mean, any manager worth his salt needs uh, a a transfer window. One transfer window. We're calling this guy out because he's been lumbered with these players. Um, yeah, my my, my whole thing is I'm now putting everything at the players' door. On the player's doorstep, I just think they're a disgrace. Like, I really think they're a disgrace. I I, I don't understand that they've obviously got away with it for far too long. We, we've we overhyped them. I, I'm just so disappointed, like John was saying, about professional athletes who you think they do better. You know, maybe giving the excuse that they don't want to get injured. But my experience is if you try not to get injured playing a game of football, you do actually get injured. You know, you're better off just going 100% at everything. I, I'm just so I'm so disappointed with the players, Tom. Like I think you've asked an excellent question in terms of like that tiny percent of like wondering about Paul Cook, um, but the players next year like when they when Cook first came in, we've got to say all of us thought oh, yeah definitely like we should definitely be pushing for the playoffs. Like this is excellent, it's amazing the players that we've got. He's going to get more out of them, for whatever reason. It's I think it's transpired they're certainly not fit enough. Which is again in a, in a league like League One, that is a huge difference. You can you can have nowhere near as much talent as another squad, but if you're fitter, that is a huge difference because the way they you know some clubs play football, um, and the attitude, the application is just it's just not there, is it? You know, you, sometimes you watch a game like Northampton, and I think you know they talk about shape and the way you can't lose shape and don't go after you man, don't press too soon, sit back, you know, whatever our tactics may be. Sometimes I just want Downs to just bloody run just run at people like go after three men and then when someone no one else follows you turn around and ambass the rest of your team for not following him for pressing or for because he's ran round five people as quick as he can you don't even see that like that passion Be more brave but yeah braver exactly yeah. brave you not even well, I mean, that
2: bravery yeah but that I mean that comes from confidence and clearly confidence yeah. is on the floor right now yeah. you only have to look um at wick and wanderers and I used them as an example because I saw it last night. And the they are absolutely that, crap,
1: by the way. They are so it,
2: crap. They're so crap in the championship. <laughs> and this is a team yeah. that, even in League One, hasn't got a proverbial pot to piss in. But when it comes into buying into a manager, buying into an ideology, buying into a mindset and doing the basics right, and the rest will follow. It's, a, it's, it's what got them um, promotion from League One when supposed... Giants like Sunderland, Ipswich, Portsmouth can't seem to get it right, and, and Wickham and, Wick and Wanderers can. And the way they reacted uh, last night, even though unless they win three games in a row now, and even then it might not be enough to stay up, they're going to come back down. But how they reacted to Akin Fenway, who's not even their captain, but is like a de facto captain, scoring his first goal, going mental, I oh, know it was a last minute winner, but going mental, just having that team believe, despite the fact you've been 24th since match day one. It just shows what can be done. And, uh, well, Paul Cook is supposedly uh, a genius at cultivating that kind of atmosphere. So, yes, absolutely give him a transfer window, give him some time to sort it out. But if you're an owner that has spent, you know, a good chunk of money already in buying the car, John, you can answer this question. Being an owner, if you spent this amount of money already um, and you've seen this happen in 12 games... And you're, by the looks of it, you're not messing around. You want, forget the championship, you want to start looking further than that. Like, do you wait for Paul Cook to get it right? Or do you get an itchy trigger finger?
3: I think it depends on um, your own actual dealings with Cook as a man. I've got to say, I, I thought when he came to my club, what absolute sense he spoke. Um, you know, I never fully believed Lambert right at the beginning at all. I thought he was a fake. And then I kind of was won round a little bit by him. But with Cook, he's come in. And I I wasn't that bothered about Paul Cook. But then he came in and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And he said a lot of the right things. And people say, you know, he speaks like a fan. He's got that passion. And I think I can, some of that resonates with um, the new owners. You know, listen to Burke A speak earlier on and then listen to Brett a few weeks ago. You can hear their kind of passion. And I think... They will relate to him. I just hope that Ashton and O'Leary believe in him, and the three of them have a, a, a good working relationship. Um, in terms of how what percentage do you take, do you kind of give him? I would say 20% is probably his responsibility right now. But that doesn't change my mind about giving him the summer because if he's the man you wanted. He hasn't had a chance yet. The players have lost their confidence. Confidence is a real hard thing to build when you're getting beaten every week. I think over the summer you bring in some fresh faces, you make some changes, you change some of the coaching, you change you have time to really get your, your, your own thinking together because the job's probably bigger than he thought it was going to be, perhaps. Um I think the players have to take the large percentage and of the responsibility and blame for this situation. Because, you know, and you can look at Lambert taking a huge chunk of that for poorly drilling, giving nonsense. The fitness, I mean, we still don't know why Jim Henry was sent away on Garmingleaf. We I still don't know what's gone on with that fitness. Was was he telling Lambert he needed to do things differently, or was Lambert telling him he needed to do things differently? You know, these players aren't fit enough to do the job, poke up once. That's really quite sad, isn't it? You know, it's really quite frustrating. Um, so I, I guess for me, we have to give him the chance. I think it's unrealistic. I would, if that was me in a job, if I had just taken over, got a headship and was working at a primary school and have been given a term to get good results and sats and uh, get rid of some of the teachers who were underperforming. I would say, I've been at my school for six years nearly, and I tell you what, it's still not where I want it to be, but I'm trying to build something properly.
1: Hey, tennis is going to take six years for Paul Cook.
3: Well, <laughs> I know, Sorry, John, I'm not up for that. Uh, no, no. no. He, he's, he's hopefully better than me. I'm talking about getting to the Premier League maybe. But, you know, um, know, let's be honest. We all want to be out of this league. The the hardest thing about this league is the fact it's shit. And we are still 11th in the shit league of League One. You know, we joked about, you know, we'll probably finish either... I said we'll either finish 7th or or it'll be 11th. And there we are in our holy place of 11th. You know, um, God, it's just not good enough. The players... Have to take responsibility for me, bloomers. Ross, what do you reckon? Yeah, come on, host.
0: Oh, uh, I've, just been, I've just been sitting here relaxing, just listening. Um, yeah, well, wow. 12 games in charge, not many goals scored, two wins. Yeah, I think, as, as Ben said, the blame is to the players. I think Paul Cook has done what he can. I think we, any manager, we could have got Pep so Alex Ferguson could have come out of retirement I don't think any manager would have been able to get anything out of this squad I think they are lacking confidence and just not good enough
2: so we haven't got a striker yeah put it this this way put it this way when um Paul Paul Hurst came in my initial reaction was like bloody hell okay well let's let's see and when Lambert came in my reaction was Bloody hell, Let, let's see. Whereas, and I said this on our uh, video that we did, Ross, when uh, Cook's come in, I said, this is the first round hole, round, hang on, round peg and round hole appointment that, that we've had since we Mick McCarthy. And I, I, it's it's easy now to think of it when I'm removed from any game that's happened, but I kind of lose it sometimes in the heat of it. That's still the case. It's, it's still a round peg round yeah. hole appointment and I, I think well by by you two nodding you, you both agree with me so
1: every club in League One right now apart from those in the promotion places want our manager at their club without a doubt
3: listen he's he's won at his last clubs he's been successful yes we may break him <laughs> You know, if there's a club to break his record, we'll do it. But um, (laughs) (laughs) let's let's give him a chance to prove us wrong. Come on. He needs a chance. I I honestly think, you know, we need to be saying not even wait 10 games. We need to wait till February. Look, you look at um, Blackpool, are a good example. Is it? um, They took the... the,
1: the, The chat from Liverpool, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and he brought a squad together with very little money. Garbert being one of them, that surprise, you know, he was dreaming of the big move to Sunderland and he ended up in Blackpool and how we all laughed and look where they are now and look where we are. You know, he brought a lot of League One players together, a bit like Lincoln, lots of players came in. They had a terrible start this season. Our only good performance of the season back in, was it September when we beat them 4-1? You know, there we go. That's the last time we scored, the only time we scored four goals this season. And they were poor. They've got their act together. And he's being judged now as being a good manager. If he was judged in September and October, they would have said, get rid of him. So let's be fair. If we're going to allow him to make the changes we all want, you bring a bunch of strangers together, yes, there might be some real quality that shines through, but it might take a while for them to click. I, I, I think, you know, let's be fair, League One's not that clever. Let's, let's wait till Christmas and then let's see where we are. And I think we'll be realistically in the top four and, and he'll, he'll get us the, the job done by the end of the season. And like. It doesn't take a brilliant team to win this league. Like you said, Bloomers, Wickham, I know they didn't win it last year, but they went, up. they just believed in each other, had an identity, had a work rate, had a tactics that stood up, a team shape that they did tweak a little bit. But, you know, I, can Cook do that? Yeah, from his past experience as he can. So we have to give him that chance.
2: I mean, the irony and the all that is Wickham have gone or went up doing a best impression of a 2015 McCarthy team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with Zach were pe- were playing the role of Daryl Murphy uh, please don't be offended Darryl
1: Murphy is please, a offended Darryl, please don't Ake be
2: offended Daryl please don't be
0: offended at a one thing I want to bring up you know with is it's it's, cr- it's crazy to think you know two months ago when he was appointed it's been about two months now that we were like you know hoping he was going to get us in the playoffs and so now we're debating is he the right man and you know he's got you know, we recently saw the news that, you know, Liam Richardson's now been appointed Wigan manager permanently now. So, Paul Cook's going to have to look for a new assistant. And some people are going, is this the Lambert-Culverhouse situation where, you know, Paul Cook's been successful un- with Liam Richardson? Now he hasn't got him, you know, what's his fortune's going to be like? But I think Paul Paul Cook seems like a different character to Paul Lambert in terms of his man management and stuff. But what was your thoughts when you saw that news, you know, Paul Cook... not having a
2: system
3: manager well, was, to be honest I was I was really disappointed because I thought that was one of those things that was almost a done deal I read back his comments the other day about we'll see um, you know let's just say he's been my assistant manager at every club I've been at all those kind of comments it was almost like I can't announce him yet but I'm going to announce him when I can and so it's a real blow I think but equally he's been around enough to work with lots of good people surely you know a football man will have other people who they can build up, whether there's rumours it could be John McGreal, there's rumours it could be, you know, Hunt and Noel Hunt. Um, You know, I don't care who it is as long as there's somebody who who has his back, who can challenge him appropriately, who can bring something quality. I do care. I don't mind who it is. You know, I care about it being the right person. And if you can't bring in Richardson, you need to bring in somebody else. I was always a bit dubious about the spelling of Liam, if I'm being honest. But other than that, <laughs> absolutely, uh, you know. But oh it's over to um, you know. Listen again to the, the Burke interview. They're talking about giving Paul Cook the tools he needs, getting the right people in the key roles. Whether that's the CEO, whether that's the recruitment, whether that's the uh, medical staff. Let, let him bring in a number two or bring in more coaches if he needs. You know, if if you know he's going to need a goalkeeper coach. Surely we need a striking coach. Surely we need somebody who can help the players believe they can put the ball in the net. Because right now, none of them believe they're going to score. So you know, we need some additional backroom staff for sure. You know, but um, yeah, I, I personally thought that was a blow. Yeah,
2: I mean, unsure about spelling. This is coming from the John with no H.
3: That's <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a Jonathan, but I'm John. <laughs> So,
2: yeah, yeah, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only winding you up. Um, Another way of looking at this is if Paul Lambert wasn't our previous manager and this had happened, I don't think there'd be a a 50th of the scrutiny there's been. It's only because it's like a, oh, well, Lambert didn't have House and obviously Lambert came here and didn't have House and failed. You know, like, I'm sure the situation happens a lot more than we kind of realise, but we're, we're focusing on it now because... Our last manager didn't have a supposed person who did all the strings at Norwich and then turned out to be a dumpster fire. Um, so, yeah, I, I, make, I think you can make of it what you will. One thing I would say is, and Ben, this will probably segue nicely to you because you've got the town shirt on, um, having ex players, seemingly an alarm, well, not alarming, but a very high number of ex players all of a sudden being touted for different roles at Ipswich. Like, obviously, Kieran Dyer is already in the club. Um, you've got uh, supposedly Noel Hunt or John McGrill coming in, assistant manager, obviously former players. You've got another ex-player in Scott Barron, who's apparently been lined up to be head of recruitment. Is I, I mean, I can see the benefits of maybe an ex-player coming in for certain roles, but is there anything else to look into with all these ex-players coming in? Is it a case of, look, if you want to start afresh, Start fresh and bring someone in who, like Mark Ashton, who probably you know didn't know anything about Ipswich other than its name until he started having to research them, like do you know you know, is it a case of getting in a name that oh, because he paid for uh, Ipswich a couple of times, they'll give him a bit more rope or or is that too far of a way to look into it?
3: I, I think the McGreal link comes from the fact he played alongside Cook didn't he? He played yeah. in the same team. Probably,
2: okay, well, that, that's fair. But I mean, obviously, there's other examples there.
3: Yeah.
2: I, th- I think for me, Aaron, he, gives weight, you know.
3: Yeah, watching somebody like John McGreal, I thought he was a cracking player. He put his body on the line, yet he could play football as well. A cracking player. Um, he's, he's done okay in his coaching uh, and he's quite highly rated, although things haven't gone brilliant for him of late. I wouldn't be adverse to that. But I think the link comes more from McGreal because he knows Cook rather than because he's ex-town. Um, but I, I'm, I don't think we should bring in ex-players just because they're ex-players, because you can bring them in an ambassadorial role. You know, something like the way Simon Milton's around the club, the way um not is anymore. now. Not, what, not yeah, anymore. Simon. yeah. No, well, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was around the club. You, you know what I mean? No, he was around the club a lot. Um, <laughs> Mick Mills. Uh, yeah, anyway, move on, John. Back to you,
1: mate. Um, I quite like ex players being back involved. I, I, I think particularly with clubs like Ipswich. It, it, there's a reason why we're slightly unique. There's a reason why we've had success in the past for being Ipswich and not run like other clubs. You know we. As much as we, they, they, you know, they're everything to me. You know, I don't think of anybody, you know, this whole European Super League. I mean, so it's the whole thing this week. I couldn't really give a flying flute about it. You know, Ipswich is what means most to me. And, um, you know, the fact that they're trying to get Kieran Dyer possibly back on the coaching staff. I like that. You know, Kieran's a local boy. He knows how the club is run. Here.
0: He is here. What? Kieran Dyer is here he's the under-23s coach but move on no
1: no, I know sorry but in terms of being first team coach he's around yeah. yeah, more yeah, with yeah, the first yeah. team sorry so, uh, oh, and, you know, oh, permanent. no problem <laughs> no problem Ross no problem at all um, if he was made assistant manager I, I quite like that you know I, 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 Manchester United have done it with former players have bought Nicky Button they've had Phil Neville in that you know they, they had Gary oh, to Gary Neville Gary Neville's been around the scene doing. I mean he's a, he's a slave to football he does there's all sorts of roles anyway anyway um, I like it because they understand the almost like a DNA behind the club, and I think there have been times under Evans where that has been lost. And I think some of these ex players understand how the way it should be. Um, when we got taken over, there are quite a lot of ex players that said you know, tweeted, like, get the club back to where it belongs. There's a lot of good people involved in the club. Uh, A lot of good people have left the club. I think my understanding is that, you know, Simon Milton left under a bit of a cloud. You know, I don't know any of that. I don't have any inside information. I'm just talking from the outside, looking in, that maybe we don't have enough people involved with the club who were ex-players and were involved with the club when we were better run, when we had more success, when they understood what makes Ipswich you know, what it is, you know, what Sir Bobby Robson famously said about, you know, the fans that, you know, the the fans are everything about the club and they're more important than anything else in football. I think there are certain ex-players that understand that more than, more than the way modern football has gone, more than maybe some of these modern coaches um, could understand. And I I, personally, I find it important. Personally, I think it would give me a bit more comfort if we had maybe a few more ex-players about the club. They perhaps won't be as good as, as other coaches, but they maybe care more. And, and sometimes, like we've talked about the players on the pitch, if you care more, if, you're, if you have passion to play for your club, you could probably make 10% in terms of the actual ability that you've got up on the field if you have 10% more in terms of caring for the club and the way that you're playing. Um, I'm not that bothered about Liam Richardson. No, no offence. He's, he's probably a fantastic coach and a fantastic manager. Um, But if we get the right number two, you know, Pep Guardiola changes his number two. Not a problem. Marteta left, got a new one in. They're still absolutely fantastic. Ferguson used to change his, Sir Alex Ferguson used to change his number two every two or three years. It never changed the way they dominate, you know, English football. I I know they had so many things in uh, in the background, so the finances, etc. But if you're run well, your number two shouldn't matter if you'll run well as a football club and that, that's all I care that, that's going to happen I think. and I think that is happening I'm, I'm hugely positive for the future
2: yeah. I think
3: personally I think, the way up sorry go on John okay. I was just going to say that um, you know uh, when Andy Warren put that brilliant um, playoff uh, final video together I think what you get from ex-players is somebody like the Marcus Stewart or Tony Mowbray last couple of minutes of that documentary That's what the players need to sit and watch. When real, like Mowbray, I remember seeing him play for Middlesbrough when I was, I'm probably about his age, seeing him play, him and Pallister uh, 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 at the centre-halves of Middlesbrough at the time before he went to Celtic and then eventually to us. He was a colossal guy, a hard man, a lovely gentleman off the pitch. But you look at the passion and the heart and the commitment and the love for our club that he shows in that two-minute clip. My God, don't we wish we had some of that in our team now? And so that's what an ex-player can bring. I'm not saying, you know, I know Mowbray is obviously a successful manager and is in the championship and etc. but listening to Mowbray and Marcus Stewart on that, on that video gives me goosebumps. I mean, I was there, I saw it. I, you know, for Matt Holland, Jim and Tony Mowbray, um, John McGreal, Herman Harrison, J.B. and Jermaine Wright, um, Jamie Scowcroft, David Johnson, all that team, Fabian Wilnis, I think you know Richard Wright, a whole lot of them, they are proper players for a town. So I want the current crop of players. We've got, um,
0: of course, we've got Butcher and Dazelle now as well, um, coaching the academy, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I think yeah, th- th- people will look at that and go, their experience in coaching isn't great. Like Butcher's not had the best experience in terms of being a manager, but. That knowledge he has, I'm sure, is fantastic for these yeah. young players. That, are like to and Butcher, you know, they've done well.
2: Butcher, That's you know, one catch for England is. and all that. So, well, I think, I mean, yeah, I was. A, this is a slightly uh, name drop time and, and clanging. So, feel free to derive me for this. Um, when I worked at Coventry City as an intern, so it coincided with the uh, Tony Mowbray era, uh, and had and Jamie Clapham and Mark Venus were part of the backroom staff. Um, so, yeah, clanging that on the floor just, just to make a bit of a noise. But um, I managed to speak, I, I spoke to Tony Moby a few occasions. His love for Ipswich, he, I'll I swear you can bleep this, Ross, he fucking loves the club. Like, he absolutely <laughs> loves the club. Uh, mad as a box of frogs, but absolutely adore the club. And and when, I think I there think was an occasion where Venus, Clapham, and Moby were in the same room, and I was like, it's three of the fucking back four. Like, like trying to explain like how much they meant to me. But I think in in the way I saw, and I know I introduced this, so I'll I'll conclude it as well. I think it's a case by case basis when it comes to ex-players, because you're going to have, you know, like ones that mean much more than others. Like let's say Darren Murphy comes back in 15 years, time to be part of the, of Ripsbridge in the background capacity. Like everyone be like, oh my days, it's Darren Murphy. You coincide with good times. Like it means more, you know, if, uh, some bad times as well. <laughs> yeah, well, and bad times as well. But obviously, <laughs> so many more good times for him because he performed for us and yeah. was uh, a score of that side that that played well and and it achieved some kind of success. If the likes of, uh, I mean, no disrespect to him because you know whatever. But if Danny Rowe came back and I only say this because it was on the 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 what's the what's Danny Rowe comes back as part there it's like oh he paid ten games for it's like it it doesn't mean the same does it so yeah. I, I do think you'll end up getting more X players than than sometimes expected just because of how the way it works, especially in football where it's such tight close circles but I think you just judge it on a case by case basis. Um yeah. Do you want to move the topic on Ross? <laughs> yes, yes, of course, of course.
0: Um now we're getting the end of the podcast now, but I want to talk about, you know, away days. You know, it's been it's been a weird year for us all not being able to go to home games, but also away games. You know, that's always the way one looks forward to going to the different ones. And like Plough Lane, you know, that's newly you know opened. That's been a great opportunity for us to go there for the first time. You know, Northampton, Sixfield, I don't think we've ever gone there as a football club in a competitive fixture. Um But this um, segment is talking about bad away days. Um, I thought it would just be a nice little fun segment for us to talk about. Um, Once all, there's going to be some funny stories. So, Ben, I'm going to go over to you first. Um, You know, Tuesday night, Northampton, watching on iFollow wasn't a good watch. I'm sure being there would have been great either, but at least, you know, you're there and you you have a few points and then travel home annoyed, but at least you were there. But um, away games in general, um, have you got a few you want to throw out there as bad away days?
1: oh this is bad yeah bad away days are the worst aren't they in terms of all that you spend so much more money on petrol or train fares or whatever the ones that stand out for me I mean obvious ones are obviously Norwich uh 4-1 Delaney sent off that was horrendous Holt Hattrick it felt sick um I went with just my brother so we could run thankfully no offence to my dad, but we wouldn't be able to run. So, yeah, we we, we ran out. As soon as the final went, we ran out of the ground and got back to the car and got out before the real bad traffic and more Canaries could laugh at us. Uh, West Ham away, second leg, playoffs, lost 2-1. I've never known an atmosphere like it. Uh, Westlake hit the post in the last minute. Um, that was horrendous just because the atmosphere from a West Ham point of view was just unbelievable. Um, we were a up from the first leg, Darren Ben. Um, and, and then the atmosphere at Portland Road was fantastic I don't know I remember like the West Ham fans had half and half of, of um, the Cobalt for some reason I don't know why um, but, but that day it was great because we won so it didn't matter um, but yeah that away game I went with some West Ham fans from the village that we, that my parents still live in in South Cambridge uh, and they have a son who's got learning difficulties and the whole way there he, he sang um, Forever Blowing Bubbles and on the way there I didn't really care but on the way back I was it drove me insane <laughs> Uh, you know, bless him. He had the time of his life. But for me, I was in just agony. You know, (laughs) what can you say? You're getting a free lift back from um, from London. But yeah, that was awful. Probably the worst one that really stands out for me, just because the ground was bloody dreadful, was Millmore, Rotherham. We lost 2-1 in the Championship and it was just so bad like we were awful but yet we were a good side at the time you know we were pushing for the playoffs and to lose 2-1 there you know i i jeez I, I didn't want to piss up i didn't even want to piss up the wall it was basically a wall i didn't even, i still didn't want to go to the loo it it was that bad. that really stands out as the worst facilities worst ground they were like the wickham at the time i guess in terms of you know no disrespect to wickham from my previous comments, there are more than you know one, two ways to play football, and they do it very well to get results. Rotherham were exactly like that, and I couldn't stand them at the time. I think Paul Warren, who's their manager now, was probably playing centre half for them that day, Um and I think they probably, yeah. Anyway, we, we, yeah, when they had that massive long throw, I can't remember the centre half had that massive long throw, but we lost, we lost two one because we love playing good football, and we weren't, we weren't, you know, we. We just didn't have a hard man or a hard few players to, to, to beat away the long throws. But yeah, that hurt the most. Rotherham away circa 2004. Millmore, absolute pits of a ground. Kenilworth Road is horrendous, but thankfully both times I've been there with one. So Millmore's the winner, but West Ham and Norwich hurt the most.
0: Definitely. Um, and we're bringing this up as well because we've had two really bad away days um, in the last three games. You know, the 3-0 at Wimbledon, 3-0 at Northampton, the Straw against Chelton You know, it wasn't that bad, but it was not great. But um, Bloomers, um, you've got, you know, Norwich away is always difficult when we lose and they are always the worst away days, definitely going home. And if you're on the train and because I had to get, I remember one away game for the Norwich game. I was on a train for the Norwich fans. I had to hide my shirt because I'm just like, I'm not going to bother trying to, you know, come out and go, here we go, come on then, lads. But anyway, bloomers, go. <laughs> to
2: be honest, the old farm derby so overhyped by some of our fans. You could have done that and you'd have had no problems, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, it's the classic away end at Portman Road, um, just out on, on the road outside. You've got like a set of dividing railings that end at the like end of the road. And it's hilarious because you have people coming from the station, literally with Norwich fans intertwined. And coming like to their various entrances and as soon as there's that metal barrier between them all of a sudden they're all chipping at each other and it's like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing um i'm not going to mention the ridge away because it's kind of a bit an easy answer if you like i'm gonna take you back to uh 2011 2012 so me and my friends there was about i think four of us yeah four of us we were 16 or 17 at the time, and we'd just, like, been able to start going to, like, a lot of games on our own. And we used to take the uh, Gemini minibus to games. Uh, if that means anyone, to anyone listening, um, you probably sat next Gemini? to us.
0: Gemini? Sounds like a fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun Fun fact, my dad drove um, Gemini minibuses.
3: So there we
2: go. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and what's and this, is how, this is how hilarious it is. So you'd always... and. God knows what these people do. And I still see them at away games. It was always the same people and the same faces. And we always used to get on these little minibuses. I still don't know anyone else's names. And the guy who used to run it, he had this, and you will have seen him at the away games. All of you will have done. Uh, it's, uh, and if this is your dad, this is even funnier. Uh, it's, I don't <laughs> no, think it is. It's this uh, little old fellow with glasses. He always has this Russian Kremlin hat on whenever it's a cold up away game. He always has this old-school Russian hat. I must have, he maybe may got it in Moscow when we played Torpedo. Um, old-school Russian hat. Um, and he wears it whenever it's a cold away game. I still see him. Still see him even now. And he'll always sit at the front. Anyways, so we weren't old enough to, to drink. So, but we were still high off the fact that, oh, you know, we're going to all these away games. And uh, the first one we ever, ever, ever did was uh, at Doncaster on a Tuesday night. We won 6-0 uh you remember that game uh that was our yeah. first ever But, anyways over the course of a seven day period in 11-12 which was over the festive period we had three away games and it might have been a ro- it might even have been in a row we were away at R- reading then we were away at Hull, and then we were away at birmingham and that was a tuesday night and we lost every single one uh this is underpool this was like a dark the dark days underpool jewel the um the whole game was in the FA Cup third round, and it was, uh, as you, if you've ever been to Hull, it was freezing, absolutely Baltic. And for whatever stupid reason, we decided to go in fancy dress. There was no reason for it, absolutely whatsoever. And I, pulling the short straw, wore a head-to-toe blue morph suit. Remember these morph suits, the ones that you were? Uh... Now, I'll dig out the photo, and when this pod goes up on Twitter, I'll reply and see if I can find it. Um, I had barely anything on underneath. I was about seven stone wet through. I mean, I'm not even big now. And we lost three two, and it was a miserable, miserable experience. But yeah, like that, they always stick out of memories. And the and I'm still friends with the people I went with now. That was pretty special. Uh, and then an honourable mention, just quickly, we'll go to uh, the game before Paul Lambert took charge was away at Millwall a few years ago. And we lost 3-0. It was the first time we've ever been to Millwall. The whole Millwall thing, like that wasn't why it was miserable. Like, at the end of the day, if you're buying a ticket to go to Millwall away, you, you kind of know what to expect. And if you don't, you're pretty naive and you shouldn't go. Uh, but it's just the fact you can't have a pint anywhere near the ground. You have to go to uh, Liverpool Street or London Bridge. You get there, you have to walk from the station directly to the ground, pretty miserable for whatever reason, and this is extreme generalisation, but there does seem to be an enormous amount of divs in the Ipswich away end whenever there's a London game. Um, I don't know why that is. I'm not, one of, just, I'm not one of them, by the way, just being a, a London-based fan. Oh, it, like
3: oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just genuinely unpleasant. No one knew what it was going to be like. It was temporary charge. We played awful. We got Tonk 3-0. Um, crap getting in. Crap getting out we're all miserable, like home fans goading you. And I remember thinking, well, at least it can't, can't, you know, get any worse from that. Oh, how little did I know?
0: Yes, here we are now. Um, April 22nd, 2021, 11th in League One. And uh, yeah, not so good. John, over to you then to wrap up the away days. Um, Of course, you've probably gone to more away games than home games because of where, you know, you're based and stuff. Yeah, um, Yeah, that's,
3: that's the ironic thing, Russ, I have without yeah. a shadow of doubt, probably six, seven to one. You know, you know, I probably get to Portman Road twice a season, and over the years, depending where I've been living, you know, anywhere between six, twelve, fifteen away games, whatever. Um, I'm gonna take you back to when John Watson was little Johnny Watson, when he was mascot at Roger Park for Ipswich Town. Picture the scene. I'm almost as tall as Romeo's on the Vanasco. I was skipper. We were wearing. Um, <laughs> oh god! All my mates were in the Roker end and the fullwell end. I'm just trying to get a date. I think it was uh, 25th of March, 1989, right? So I'm at secondary school. I'm 13 years old. I'm probably a bit old to be a mascot, but away mascots hadn't really taken off at that point. I remember writing to the club and they go, "Well." we'd never had this before kind of thing. So, there I am. Run on the pitch with Romeo Zondervan. Um, Ian Atkins is playing for us as well. Um, and then their captain is John McPhail. I've got photos of Romeo and John McPhail and me. They had three or four mascots and me and the Ipswich kit. And um, we get beat 4-0. I was not a looking mascot. 4 <laughs> nil defeat in my hometown. You know, just that kind of sums up me, so I thought, you know, we talk about lucky mascots. I was the unluckiest mascot ever. But then I look at other away games and some odd ones stick in my brain. I think it was probably about four or five years ago, Ross, um, under Mick at Huddersfield. And it was like a freezing cold day. It was nil-nil. And I've just looked at the team. It was I've just brought it up on the phone that October 2015, this is the exciting lineup we had in our thrilling nil-nil draw so it wasn't it was a tonkin it was just i sat there thinking why have i come to huddersfield you gherkin and goal chambers smith Baron, Nudson across the back and Maitland Niles on one side and tommy orr on the other yeah. with excuse and douglas in the middle and season pitman up front Oh, uh, and I thought, but it was just dull. It was one of those games where we were just dreadful. Do you know, when Mick just had banks of four, we went there for a draw. We got exactly what we wanted type thing. But I just remember sitting in the cold, just sitting miserable as sin going, oh my God, why am I here? So there's, there's the different sort of way they ex- experience us. The, the season before we went up, I think it was the season before we went up in the playoffs, and um, might have been the two seasons before. I remember the most intimidating atmosphere I've ever been. It was a cracking game, but I went to old, the old main road and Sean Gouter scored a couple of goals. I think we got beaten 3 2 or f- that kind of scoreline. I would have to check that one up. But they were loud and it was intimidating. And it's not often I'm, you know, I often have my, my, my zippy or my coat unzipped and on my shirt showing I'm not a tough guy, but I'm not a small guy and I, I, I don't cause any problems, but I'm not gonna take any nonsense either. Um so, but that game I had my shirt properly covered. I was I remember the atmosphere. It was a night game, and night games are edgier than weekend games, you know, and the daytime games. And I remember that was one of those games we were in that temporary stand. It was like scaffolding almost. And I just remember thinking, I'm not sure if I'm gonna get home tonight, that kind of feeling. And so that's, you know, you've got the, the kid getting beaten on as mascot, you've got the typical Ipswich sitting nil-nil in a cold away game being dull, or you've got that kind of, when you just feel a bit in awe of the the, the atmosphere and Man City won the crest of the wave at the time, um, King Cladsey was playing, I think, and th- th- all those really good players and um, Dickoff just caused problems all night I remember, clearly, so yeah <coughs> excuse me, lots of different away game experiences, but there's nothing quite like sitting in a crap ground, getting beat and going, oh, we're rubbish. You know,
2: I've got... That's that's all the road every week, mate. (laughs) Yeah. But,
0: but yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Um, I think that's a, a great way to sort of end that bit about away, away days. Let us know, um, on Twitter on Kings of Anglia, any other way days that you want to mention? Um, you know, there's there is there's plenty. Um, there's some good ones as well. There is some good ones as well. we'll Have to do that in in a future um podcast. Yeah, can we, do, yeah can we do best
2: way days because well, I've got some even better stories of that when it, in regards to that. And but funnily enough, they're all sort of in the same era. It's the I don't think it's to do with the Paul Joy era. I think it's just because when you're that age, like, well when I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, like, oh, I just remember the euphoria. The, the
3: euphoria. Yeah, just, well, yeah, the but, thing about football, you feel it, don't you? So there's certain ages when you maybe you're with your mates doing things, or there's certain ages when you're the periods of success. So, like my favourite away games were like actually when we were good, when I saw us beat Liverpool at Anfield, I saw us beat Everton at Goodison. They were and, and Leeds when they were good at Elland yeah. Road. You know, you know that was that season in the Premier League was just uh, incredible. So, but that yeah. that's not necessarily the same. As a, the way day when you're in the atmosphere with your mates or something, there's loads of different, and that's why we love football because
2: well, I mean, yeah, live
3: yeah. music and live football that brings something that you can't explain the, the whole of the parts. Like it's just better than you can explain, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, like conversely, our, my favorite way days on when we were good, it's when we were crap. But again, it, it might be just because of the age thing and never knowing like consistent Premier League football or whatever. But and this is probably more potent than it would be in a few weeks ago because of everything that's been going on. There will be this season, thousands, tens of thousands of people that have been robbed of these moments. And that's really, really sad because when you go to an away game, you're there because you're a proper diehard. Like, and a lot of the time it's because uh, you've had to travel hours and hours, especially if you're like, you know, a Southern team going to Northern one. And then when the unexpected happens and it all becomes worthwhile, you cannot describe that feeling as the euphoria. And you certainly can't describe them to anyone that sits on their arse and watches or consumes their team via the medium of Sky Sports. And I'm looking at the fans of top top six teams when I say that. And it's all the more potent with everything that's been going on this year. And trying to have big teams monopolise football and kill thousands of people's dreams with these small clubs it's a disgrace and it should never, ever be lost. And also, if you feel disenfranchised, by the way, if you're listening to this, you're a town fan, die in the wall, you're never going to change a team and it doesn't really apply to you. But I've said to fans of uh, Liverpool that are my friends uh, and are feeling crap at the moment, I'm like, go and find your local team. Like, you'll find so much enjoyment about it. We've all spoken about this on this before. I have done a channel at half a half mile away from me. Back home, I have Bury Town, uh, Barry Simmons, there are teams out there that, as soon as you can, that would love your your dough and love to see you go out and do it and and fuck the whole concept of the Super League.
0: I think that's the only thing we need. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I don't think we're going to... I was maybe going to bring up the Super League a bit, but I think that is the only thing we need to say is fuck the Super League. And that's me, the host, saying that. Um, so... We've got two more segments to talk about. I want to quickly um, just talk about Wimbledon, and we're going to end with the Youth Cup because it's the anniversary as we're recording, the twenty second of April, um, when the Youth, Abitur uh, Town Youth Team won the Youth Cup back in two thousand and five. But um, AFC Wimbledon back to um, current day, League One football, eleventh in League One. Um, AFT Wimbledon travelled to Portman Road, and you know we played them, you know a week ago. Uh, we lost three 0 Red cards. Um, Harrop got of course got sent off in that game. Wimbledon, well, they've been scoring a lot of goals. I've got their last four fixtures up. Um they beat Accrington 5-1, beat us 3-0, beat Swindon 4-1, and they beat Oxford 2-1. So they're scoring goals. Uh I'm just, just gonna like get us. your <laughs> Yeah, just like just like us. Um so predictions. How are you feeling, Ben? What do you, what do you reckon? Um, lineup. Do you think Chambers will get back into the back four? You know, he's been missing the last two games and you know, maybe McGuinness is maybe Cook's experiment with McGinnis, maybe over.
1: I uh, Chambers is a polarizing figure for the fan base. I am in the Chambers in camp. Uh, I just think he gets an incredibly hard deal. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a story there that he epitomizes the decline of our football club. I, I get that, but unfortunately, where we are right now, talking about the here and now. We were actually worse uh, with him not in the side. I think that's quite clear. Um, I think when he has played centre half overall, we've we've been defensively. I don't have a problem with us defensively. Um, he's he's not where we need like he's not what we need to go forward. He's not what we need if we get promoted to the championship. But uh, let's just talk about Saturday. Your question was about Saturday. Should he come back in the side? He should come back into the side if we want to keep a clean sheet. Um so should Toto if Toto is fit. He's got a niggly, you know, thigh strain, so maybe he'll stay out. But we need one of them. We need Toto or, or, or Chainbo to be in there because there's not enough experience. Um League One experience counts for a hell of a lot. Um you're coming up against, as you stated, Ross a free flowing, um, free scoring Wimbledon side. Look, everybody listening to this probably has got to the point. Not everybody. 90% of the people have probably got to the point where they don't really care what the result is on Saturday because the season feels over. Um, But it would be hugely important to get a win for optimism for next season, for Cook's confidence, for the players that are staying's confidence. It it would do a lot. You know, we're going to play the same formation. I think Cook needs to stick to the 4 Two three one. Um, he's chopped and changed because he's tried to find the right formula. He hasn't been able to do that with the players that so we've got. We're going to play four two three one. He's got to put the formation out there. He's got to find the personnel that are going to fit into that formation. We should. Let's face it. We should give Wimbledon a. G- we're well, not. Should give them a game. We should. We still should beat them. Um, but they have more motivation than us. Can Cook somehow get these? mercenaries almost it feels like the mercenaries are getting paid for I mean what are they doing? You know if I performed this way in my job getting paid I'd probably be on um well certainly be on uh, monitored um in modern day language for my performance. Um but yeah look chambers should play Ross to answer your question How the game will go, I think it will be tighter than the 3-0 affair. I think we will still lose, just to keep the positivity going on this fantastic um, train we're on at the moment. Um, But it won't be as bad as 3-0. How's that?
0: Hmm. Uh, Bloomers, um, (laughs) question for you is, are we going to score? Or is the um, trend of not scoring and it will go into 12 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours, will we actually score for the rest of the season.
2: We'll get an own goal. So we'll score, but we won't score. How's uh, that? How's uh, that uh, um, uh. Back to Ben, back to Ben, because he's gone on about Luke Chambers. Um, forget all the uh, Mr Ipswich, Captain, blah, blah, blah. Uh, should he be in this team on merit? Should, do you think he should be in this team on merit? I do, yeah. Um, well, I mean, looking at the very small sample size of the two games he's not been in recently, one was a 0-0 draw, so clean sheet and then the other was yes the three nil um the other night i mean taking those into comparison it's not like we need him for a clean sheet we just show we can get one at charlton um and if he's not the future and he's going to be leaving and it doesn't matter as you said and i completely agree with you why do you want him in what's it going to prove um yeah like i don't see why why he doesn't it in. does it does depend on what we
1: do next year you're right Tommy. like bloomers if if we're not playing him next year then don't play him if we're not offering him a contract then don't play him i yeah i just think mcguinness what's the point of him playing because he's not here next year either
2: that, that's that's well, my I, only argument i can, I, can be, I agree with you again i is at the stage now where there's no there is i betry 65s have us at 66 to one to be promoted for those of you that don't understand betting, I'll do the old joke. If you bet ten pound on that, you'll lose ten pound. Uh, <laughs> like I don't, I don't get them out. Like yeah, I completely agree with you. Don't play any lonies. Don't play chambers. Try something new. Like literally, I don't think anyone's going to care at this point. It's this is like back when under McCarthy we had these years of sixteenth or or whatever, and you'd be getting weird and wonderful stuff happening in the season. But like just do it. At the end of the day, every 99.9% of Ipswich fans have given up the ghost in the playoffs, and rightly so, because it's not happening. So start just having a look at other players that you've already got on systems in the academy. I can understand you want to shield them maybe a little bit or maybe bring them on as subs or whatever, but for all the demolition man talk, the last two squads haven't really shown much difference. And there's no real reason why you can't just start properly bombing out some players and and trying some new ones so it'd be interesting to see whether there's any real changes for saturday or not or or we'll get a sort of a, a, a small variant of what we've had before i don't care about this game whatsoever in fact because i'm not going to be doing uh the uh post-match of Ross, i might not even watch it i'll be honest um i I, I, and I can't really blame myself because it might be a lovely day on saturday i can be out in the garden just just chilling. I think it will be closer than... Th- I don't think it will be 3 nil again, even if we played as badly as we did. I still don't think it will be 3-0. Uh, it, it, I made a joke about the own goal. I mean, the the, the odds are it's going to end at some point. Obviously, we're going to score, but Christ knows how we're going. Like, a set-piece, maybe, where it gets bundled in off to Anteada's style or something like that. I don't know, like... Or a tackle, Aaron Dryden tackling a player and it goes in. Yeah, oh, please, be Drinan. Drinan. please be
1: Dryden. Please be Dryden. Just for my sake.
2: Yeah, Dryden's only ever goal is going to be a tribute to him. And it will always be there that he was a goal scorer for Richard Town. That's the flukiest goal I've ever seen in my life. And it's a it's a damning statistic that that is the only goal that is to his name. Um, yeah. I, I might. Go, I went for one one on the on the last prediction that I made that wasn't on this podcast, but just the last game. I might go for the same. I, I really don't know, and I really don't care. <laughs>
3: Over to you, John. <laughs> oh, I, I like to think I won't care, but do you know what? Come ten to it is a three o'clock. Kickoff, you do, think, don't you,
1: John? Like you do. You to try to f- tell yourself you don't, but you do.
3: Yeah. At Ten to five. I'm going to be texting Ross and saying. I'll come on if you want me to, but it's the same old story, you know, whatever. You know, it's going to be, I'm going to be tender, don't care. But I know there's a little bit of me just still got a tiny bit of hope that we can play better than we've been playing. And, you know, for me, I would love to see KVY have another game and be fit him getting another couple of games under his belt. I would love to see Nydan back in the team or squad. I don't know if he's tweaked something or I hope he hasn't. I would love to see him back because I think he's got something to offer. And, you know, if Toto or Wilson were fit, I would play either of them above um, McGuinness, Wolfie and Chambers. But actually, I think Chambers is better than McGuinness on paper at the moment. So I would play our best team. So I would probably play Wolfie and Chambers. But if Wilson and... uh Total fit. I'll bring both of them back in, either or either of them. I think you could probably say that um, um, left back is still wards to keep, but he actually played one of his better games for the, the other night. I would prefer to see Miles cannot be given a game, but I don't think either of them are our future. Let's be fair. I would bring Cornell in because I think Holly's bit was dreadful, and I want to see. As For Cook, I would say I want to see what Cornell looks like. Downs has to be in for me. Where's the goals coming from? That's that's the big question. Where's the quality? Uh, will Hawkins just nick something, or it's more likely to be a centre half at the corner or something, isn't it? So I'm going to go for a one-one and beat. That's be that's sad. I'm trying to be optimistic and stretching optimism to be a one-one draw. You know. I should be saying four two, shouldn't I? Um, but that's just pipe dreams. We won't score four goals before the end of the season. We'd be lucky if we score two goals before the end of the season. So um I'm gonna go for a one one because they they can score. We we can keep score down lines down better than we have against them and better than we did on Wednesday night. But you just can't see us scoring more. And even if we if we score early on, you just think we we don't know how to defend the lead either. So um one one prediction. Let's just hope a few players show something. Like let's have Naiden showing that he's he's got a future. Let's let's see maybe Bishop or Edwards given one final throw of the dice to say actually I want to be here next season because both of them certainly Bishop still got quality I think and I would love to see Teddy Bishop end the season really well showing some guts and determination. But the jury's out on that one. We'll see.
0: Well, John, you mentioned four, and there's only four more games, guys. So it's nearly over. The nightmare of this season is nearly over, um, but we've still got to play these four games, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we can't just 4 and go, yeah, three-nil, take the three-nil, take the 3 0 But um, they are still got to play, and we've still got to watch them well if you choose to watch them. Um, it's been a fantastic pod once again. Many um, things discussed, mentions. AFC Wimbledon travel to Portman Road. Can we score a goal? I'll leave that there. Um, hopefully we can uh, but if you haven't already make sure to follow us on Kings of Anglia on all the socials uh, make sure to subscribe to all the podcast providers for the podcast There's a lot of different servings of the main pod specials of course gained extra time um, and that is it we'll see you next week for another fresh dose of Itchy town talk hopefully some positive stuff to talk about and a goal to talk about as well but anyways I've been Ross and we'll see you next week bye bye for now
2: from true crime to football, Brexit to football, for more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com/channel/archon.